We're in week two of the series, and I'm going to get everybody caught up. We started a series, we did a series last year called Questions Jesus Asked. And the premise was that a lot of people, even people who are not Christ followers, know that Jesus was a great storyteller. As a matter of fact, Charles Dickens has said that the story of the prodigal son in the Bible was the greatest short story ever told. And Jesus was known as being this great storyteller, but he was also great at asking questions. And Jesus would ask questions. Sometimes they would be questions that were uh, seemed ridiculous, like he asked this crippled man who was sitting at a well, uh, do you want to be well? Do you want to get better? That seems ridiculous. But, uh, and another time he saw a woman who had committed adultery and he says, where are your accusers? And just, he asked these questions uh, about life. And Jesus, we talked about this last week, the questions he asked were not for his knowledge. They were to bring us closer to him. They were for our good, for our transformation. And so we're uh, we had some questions left over that we didn't get to last year when we did it. So we started this series last week called More Questions Jesus Asked because we loved the series, loved the, just what was behind it. And before we get into the question of the day, I've got a question for you. All right. I got a question for you. What price would you pay to get what you wanted? Now, that's a loaded question. Because we all want stuff. We all want things. What price would you pay to get the one thing that you want. What is the one price you pay? We've all got a price tolerance. We do. We've all got a price tolerance that we will, we will go to a certain point and, and we'll do something, but then the price is too much and we'll back down. We've all got a price tolerance. I got four kids, have four kids, and sometimes they would have friends come over and we were on a tight budget, but we would still try to go out to eat some. And, and I may have, you may have, I've told the story before, uh, about when we went to, we, we were going to Tokyo. So we went to Tokyo and it was my four kids, Leslie and I, and then it was Carson Howard who came with Mitchell and Becca McKelvey who came with Meredith. And so we had eight of us and we were going to Tokyo and I got over to Tokyo and they said, it's going to be a 45 minute wait. And I thought, man, I don't want to wait 45 minutes. Anybody with me on this? I don't want to wait 45 minutes and not eat at Tokyo. And so I said, let's get in the car. Got in the car. My kids are like, you know how it goes. And let's get in the car. So we got in the car and we drove to Nagoya. There's nobody at Nagoya. So I go to Nagoya, get all laid up, sit down, grab the menu, look at it and said, let's get in the car. <laughs> We drove back to Tokyo. You got to hear my friends, my, my kids' friends tell us. My kids were so embarrassed. So I said, get back in the car. We went back in the car, drove to Tokyo. I stood in line. You know why? Because we've all got a price tolerance. We've got a price tolerance. We're only going to do so much. And so my question is, what price would you pay to get what you want? Michael Phelps won 23 gold medals. 23. And these gold medals that he won provided for him financially, notoriety, that he will never have to be concerned about any uh, resources in his life. He will always have inroads and avenues. And we might think to ourselves, man, I'd, I'd love that that was me. Man, that would be great. I'd love to have 23 gold medals. I'd love to have one gold medal. But he paid a price. He swam five to six hours every day, every day, at least six miles per session, all the while being in the water, working on his technique. He would have to eat nine to 10,000 calories a day, which sounds great, doesn't it? <laughs> Except when you have to, it's not so great. 
His wasn't an eating of pleasure. It was an eating of just survival. He did this for 20 years and suffered depression, anxiety, and suicidal thoughts. There's a price to be paid to get what we want. We see this in, in athletes. We see it in baseball. Uh, names like Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens, who are, who are said to have done steroids, performance-enhancing drugs, because they, they wanted to be better. There was a price to be paid. We see this in Lance Armstrong, who, who won all these uh, Tour de France, uh, greatest biker, everything, all in while knowing he was blood doping, cheating, cheating the Sims, this price to be paid. We see it in actors and actresses. We see this body, these people that, man, I'd love to look like that. People look like, like kind of like I do, you know what I'm saying? And just knowing to realize that they are on a strict diet. They don't eat hardly anything. They work out all the time. To look that way, there is a price to be paid. And we all have wants. And wants aren't bad. I want to be clear on this. Wants are not bad. We all have wants. We all have desires. But there's a price to be paid. And there's a price threshold for all of us. Have you ever stood in a long line for a concert ticket? A ball game? Paid astronomical prices to go have this experience that you wanted to have. And I'm, look, I'm not against it. I'm just saying that we all do these things. Or even if we stood in line on Black Friday or got online on Cyber Monday to get the thing that we wanted. My question is this. Is what if the thing that we wanted most wasn't most important? Because that's the background behind the question that Jesus asked. This is one of Jesus' hardest questions. Like it is, man, it is. Sometimes, man, Jesus asks questions. This question right here stopped me in my tracks. So here's the question. What do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Now I'm going to give you the background. I'll read you the scripture, then we're going to go through it. I'm going to read, read what happened. It says... Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem, that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, the teachers of the religious law, that he would be killed. But on the third day, he would be raised from the dead. But Peter took Jesus aside and began to reprimand Jesus, if you can imagine, saying, for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, this will never happen to you. And then Jesus turns to Peter and says, get away from me, Satan. You're a dangerous trap for me. You're only seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if any one of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And then he asked the question, and what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? And like I said, I read this and we've been studying it. I have three thoughts, three thoughts I want to share with you today and I'm going to wrap it up at the end. And it's about what if it's not gain? What if everything we thought was gain was really not gain? And so I got three thoughts. Here's the first one. Is that it's not gain if my mind is set on the wrong things. It's not gain if my mind is set on the wrong things. 
And the scripture right here where, where, where we come to that, that Jesus uh, talks about that I just read, it goes down and it says that, you know, all these terrible things are going to happen to him. He says, he says he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, the teachers of religious law, and he would be killed. But on the third day, he would be raised from the dead. But then Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, this will never happen to you. Here's the thing. Jesus had been saying all along that his life would be a life where he would suffer, that he would die, and he would rise from the dead, that these would happen in his life. As a matter of fact, that is the, and I want you to hear me on this, that is really the life of a Christ follower, that we are called to follow Christ and we will suffer and we will die to ourselves and we may even die physically, but we will be raised to life, that we will suffer in this world and we will be raised up, that Christ is always in the process of raising us up and one day we will rise on the last day, that this is the pattern that Jesus went over on. And too many times we miss the plans of God. This is what happened to Peter. Peter reprimands Jesus. He says, no, it's not going to be the way it is. He starts telling Jesus what Jesus is going to do. No, this is the way it's going to go. You don't really understand, Jesus. We got this thing figured out. And I'm here today to tell you this, is that it's not gain if your mind's on the wrong things. And too many times our minds get on the wrong things. We have our agenda, our desires, our plans, our dreams, our wants. Look, and I got them too. We've all got them. That we just simply get our minds on the wrong things. And the lines are super thin. Because we've all got an agenda. We all have desires. We all have plans. We all have dreams. We all have wants. Things that we want to see happen in our life. But too many times we can just simply focus on that and focus on the wrong thing. I was reading Max Lucado's book, uh, The Applause of Heaven, where he told this story about when the Taj Mahal was built. The Taj Mahal was built like the eighth wonder of the world. Um, and it was built in memory of of the Shah Jahan, let me read it so I don't, Jahan, Shah Jahan, his wife had passed away. And he wanted to build this big cathedral, this big monument to her, that her, her tomb would be the centerpiece of this structure. And so he goes to build, and it takes a long time to build, and he gets sidetracked. And he gets to start pouring himself into the project. And one day he's walking and he bumps into this box and it's dusty and dirty. And he gets dust all over his pant leg. And he, he looks at the guys around and he says, get rid of that box. Not knowing that what was enclosed in that box was the body of his wife that had been preserved, and he threw it out because this is what we do. The thing that is most important sometimes, we just focus on the wrong thing. We get sidetracked on the wrong thing. And, and, and I'm going to give you a couple of, of ideas of how you can know if this is true or not. Let me tell you something. If you think you're telling Jesus what to do with your life, listen to me, then you have your mind focused on the wrong thing. If you're, if you're telling, if you're reprimanding, you're saying, this is the way it's going to go. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And all along he's calling you and saying, no, 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 no. He said, you reading his worth. He's saying, you do this. I'm telling you, when you're telling him the way it's going to be, then you've got your mind in the wrong thing. The second thing is if you're putting the plans of God on hold, here's the hard part about being a Christ follower. Want to hear me? We always think we can do it next week. 
We always think, well, I'll do it next week. I'll sign up to serve next week, or I'll get in a group next semester, or I'll go next Sunday. Everything's always next, or, or I'll, I'll start giving sometime later, or I'll follow Christ. I'll give my life to Christ. I'll just do it sometime later. And we always think that there's time, and so we put the plans of God on hold. Whole time, God's calling us and saying, come on, come on, follow me, surrender to me. Life is found in me, and whole time we're, going, we're just like putting the brakes on God, putting the brakes on Jesus. And I'm telling you, if you're doing that in your life, then you have your mind on the wrong things. And it's really easy to get there and not even know it. As a matter of fact, Paul wrote to a church. If we get that scripture. Think about the things of heaven. Now, why would he write this? Why would he write this? Because we don't normally do that. We normally think about the things of earth, where I've got to be tomorrow, what my schedule is, where we're going to lunch today, who's coming over, what are our plans, everything... And he says, think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. Because so many times these things consume us. And I'm here today to tell you that it's not gain if your minds are on wrong things. The second thing is this. It's not gain if I'm not with Jesus. I know it's a double negative, but anyway, all right. It's not gain if I'm not with Jesus. Yesterday... My grandkids came over, two of my grandkids came over, and Carter, who is two, had not had a nap. I said, Carter's not had a nap. You know how that goes. This, this could be good or bad. And I'm wanting to watch the, the Georgia game, you know? I mean, I'm, I'm a good granddad, but we're going to watch the Georgia game. I'm going to train them up. So they get to the house, and they were like, watch TV. I say, we're going to watch the Georgia game. They don't even know what that means, but anyway. Carter comes up, climbs up on the couch, sits beside me, and just falls asleep. It was a great moment as a granddad. It was great until Georgia started losing. I was like, what, what, what? <laughs> and I'm holding him close. And he climbed up there because he wanted to be close to me. And this is what I believe about us. We want to be close to Jesus Christ. I believe this, that even if you're not a Christ follower, even if you don't believe in Jesus, that if you were someone to ask a question, if he were real, would you want to be close to him? You would say yes. Because that's the kind of guy he is. And I'm here to say that it's not gain if you're not with Jesus. It's not. It's not gain. It feels like it sometimes. It feels like it. And, and sometimes Jesus has a way of phrasing things that, man, are just so harsh. Look at the scripture right here. That Peter goes and he reprimands Jesus, says, it's not going to be that. And Jesus is so sensitive in his language right here. I'm just kidding, he's not. He says, get away from me, Satan. And what Jesus, that sounds really harsh, what Jesus is really saying to him, and some translation says, Jesus says, hey, get behind me, because I'm not following you, you're following me. Because if you're not following me, you're not with me, you're drifting away from me. And Jesus says, you get behind me, and he says, you're not seeing things... From, uh, you're seeing it from a human point of view, not from God's, that you don't understand the plan of God. And I'm here today to tell you that it's not gain if you're not with Jesus. And we all have these things we want to see happen in our lives. We do, and I'm not against them. And I, I shared this with first service. It's not wrong to want things. It's not wrong to have desires. It's not wrong to want to be successful. None of that is wrong. And I want those things for you, and I'm going to talk about it at the end. you can have all those things, but if you're not with Jesus, it's not gain. You actually lose. And there's a story 
of a guy who wants to follow Jesus. He runs up to Jesus and says, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says to him, he says, keep all the commands. And the guy says, I've done it. I've done it. He says, I've kept all the commands. Can you imagine telling Jesus that? This guy was a pretty good guy. And Jesus didn't correct him and go, no, you haven't. No, no, no. Jesus says, okay, if we get the scripture, rich ring ruler. He says, looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. And then Jesus said, there's still one thing you haven't done. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor. And let's just stop. Who's that? Is that a gut punch for anybody in here today? If that was you, thank you. Thank you. Like that would be, say what? Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Now catch this verse right here, verse 22. Go back to verse 22. At this, the man's face fell. And he went away sad, for he had many possessions. Now look how this played out. Jesus says, hey, you follow me. You follow me. The guy says, I can't do it. I got too much stuff. He takes his stuff and he goes over here. It looks like he won. He's got all this stuff. He's got all this stuff. Listen to me. But he's not with Jesus. And I don't care how much stuff you got. I don't care how much success you got. I don't care how many cars you got, how big your house is. I don't care about the relationships you have, of the family you have. Listen, nothing's wrong with any of those things. But if you don't have Jesus, hear me on this here. You're not winning. You're not gaining. You're losing. Which leads me to the third. It's not gain if I lose the thing that matters most. Now, there are times in our lives where something matters more than everything else. And that time is when the remote is missing. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> man, I can't find the remote, man. Life stops. Does anybody like that? Come on, help me out here. That's why I am. I've actually marched my kids down and said, hey, help dad find the remote. Now I just make Leslie do it. <laughs> There's times in our lives where something matters more than anything else. Hear me on this. And our world is constantly throwing things at us and saying, that's it. That's what you need. That's the thing you focus on. That's what you want. You, you go after that with all you got. But it's not gain. If that's not the thing that matters most. In the scripture here, Jesus says to his disciples, if anyone wants to be my follower... You would think that Jesus would say something totally different, something way easier. You must give up your own way. You must take up your cross and follow me. That word, that phrase, give up your own way, means to deny yourself. You deny yourself. You put Christ first. You deny what you want to do. Your desires. You trust him with the plan of your life that your life's going to be better with him than it's going to be by yourself. And you deny yourself. As a matter of fact, that word for denial right there where it says, uh, that phrase right there, where the word denial, is so strong that if it's be like if you drew a line in the sand and someone said cross over, you wouldn't just say no, you'd say heck no. That's how strong a word that is. That man, I'm denying myself. I'm not going, I'm not doing this. I'm following Christ. 
And then Jesus says, and you, you take up your cross. And why do you take up your cross? Because Jesus carried a cross. And you know why Jesus carried a cross? Because he was going to be crucified on it. So we carry our cross and we are crucified on it daily. We surrender ourselves to Christ and we say, I'm fine. look, I know you're hearing me today and you're like, man, this is crazy tough. I agree. Jesus said it. I didn't. But listen, I believe it with all my heart. I believe it's the path that he has called us. And I think too many times, and I went over this first service, too many times we think that the answer is comfort and pleasure and that we want ease. And sometimes that's true. And, and we have seasons of that, but following Christ is hard work. It is very difficult. And Jesus says, you crucify yourself. And then he says this, if you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. And I just wonder, do we have any hanger-ons today? We got one hand with Jesus and one hand with everything. We're just hanging on for dear life and thinking, man, I just hope I can keep doing this. And I'm just here to say, he says, if you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life, you'll save it. And then Jesus comes to the question. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world? Hear me, look at me. What do you benefit if you get the one thing you really wanted most? Hear me. And you lose your soul. When my boys played rec ball, every now and then, there would be a time where we had to forfeit. Now, forfeits when you don't have enough players to play. And, and sometimes we didn't have enough players to play because it looked like it was going to rain and parents didn't come over. Or sometimes the parents were just deadbeats. And um, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, dog. Just make sure you're with me. Or sometimes they were out of town. But you'd show up at the field. They'd say, you have enough players? You had to have eight? You had got enough players? No, we don't have enough. Forfeit. You lose. But a lot of times when we forfeited, you still play the game. I don't know if you remember, you still play the game and you would borrow a player from the other team. You remember that? You'd borrow a player and it'd be kids all in one uniform and then one kid that they didn't want on their team, they put on your team. And so, and you could win that forfeit game. You could win it. You could, you could play that forfeited game and you could win and you'd be like, we won, we won. But guess what? Listen to me. You didn't win because you forfeited. You lost. And your son could hit four out of the park that day. Guess what? Didn't count. Because you forfeited. Jesus says, and what benefit do you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? The Apostle Paul, before he became a Christ follower, he was a persecutor of the church. And he had reached the, the pinnacle of his world, educationally, notoriety, uh, just status. He, he was a religious leader. He was known in politics. He was very well known. He had means and resources. He had reached the pinnacle of that. He has this relationship with Jesus Christ, an encounter with Christ that changed his life. He starts to follow Christ. And we pick up in, in Philippians what he says. He says, I once thought these things were valuable. He says, but I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. And then he says, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. He's saying, look, I had it all and I thought it was valuable, but I consider it worthless because I found the one thing that is most important. His name is Jesus Christ. And then he goes on to say, for his sake, I've discarded everything else, counting it, and tell me what the word, counting it as garbage. garbage. Man, that's strong. I had it all. Everything I wanted, I had it. 
But I counted it as garbage because I found the one thing that mattered most. And become one with him. I no longer counted my own righteousness through obeying the law. Saying, look, I'm not trying to perform and try to get everything right all the time. I've become righteous through faith in Jesus Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I place my faith in Christ and it happens. And he says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. And I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, and I love that part, one way or another, guess what? I'm going to rise. Listen to me. I want that for you. I want that for you. I want you. I want that to be, man, the slogan of your life. Man, I want Christ. And so I wrote down some thoughts here, and I just want you to hear my heart. How do you sum up a message like this? It's hard. It's, 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 it's kind of in your face. Some of you are like, kind of. Three words. Want Jesus more. I want you to know my heart is your pastor. Or if you're a guest today, as the guest of our church. If you want blessing, hear me. I want that for you. You want healing? Listen to me. I want that for you. You need a job? You need a career? Listen, I want that for you. You're looking for a relationship or some friendships? I want that for you. You want a family? I want that for you. You want a house? A bigger house? A car? I want that for you. You want to be happy? I want that for you. You want to be free? I want that for you. You want peace? I want that for you. Hear me though. But I want Jesus more for you. Hear me. I want you to want Jesus more than those things. I want us all to want Jesus more. Here's why. Hear me. Because what does it gain? What do you gain? What is the benefit? If you gain the whole world, listen, the very thing that you want, but you lose your soul. Jesus Christ is the answer. You got a connect card in front of you. To, and maybe you just need to check the top box. That's what I told first service. Check the top box that you want to receive Christ or at least talk to someone about following Jesus Christ. Because he is the one thing that you can't do without, that you're going to search the rest of your life. So maybe you check that box. And we have an open conversation about you following Jesus Christ and you maybe could receive Christ. And then I thought of two other words. The word return. Maybe you're going to, you would just write the word return. You don't write anything yet, but you'd write the word return on your connect card. In Revelation, John says that, uh, you know, one thing God had against this group of people is that he said, you've, you've lost your first love. Return to me. And maybe that's what you need to do is just, man, I just need to return to the Lord. I've drifted. Listen, can we be honest here? We all drift. 
And the Lord's always welcoming us, but always want his arms are open wide. We're going to return. And then I thought of the word restore. That David, when he sinned, he wrote in Psalm 51, he said, he said, restore to me the joy of my salvation. That maybe that's the word you write down. And I just, Lord, I just want you to restore the joy of following you. That maybe I haven't drifted so far that I need to return, but I just, I just need to refocus. And so the band's going to come and sing and you'll have your connect card. You, you can write those down or whatever you want to do. And, or maybe you want to come pray up front. But what I'd like to do is just sing this song is like, this is our line in the sand declaration. That man, I want Christ. I want to know Jesus Christ. I want him more than everything. I consider everything else second. And I don't want to forfeit anything when it comes to him. And so I'm going to pray for you and then we're going to, we're going to sing. Father, such a loaded question. And God, I pray that everybody in this room understands that without your son, Jesus Christ, they're not going to win. And that, that we can have everything else. We're still not going to win. But with your son, Jesus Christ, that we can't lose. And so, Lord, I pray for the person here today, for the persons that need to receive Jesus Christ. Whether that's marking it on a card or talking to someone after the service, I just pray for your spirits leading there. And Lord, I pray for those here today that need to return, that just our, our lives have just been adrift by so many things, so many desires, so many wants. And today, today we say, I want Jesus more. I'm returning to Jesus. And then Lord, I pray for those that just need their joy restored. That sin has this way of wrecking our lives. Wrecking our thoughts. It sabotages everything. And Lord, we just need to be restored. So Lord, I pray for your Holy Spirit to do his work in us in these next few moments. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.